Anyone have this experience? Um, I remember, you know how funny you, you see this sign in, on bottle shops and uh, newsagent in front of cigarette counter? If you're, if you're over 30 and you got asked for an ID, you're happy. <laughs> but if, you, if you're just slightly over 25 you got asked for an ID, you're annoyed, isn't it? <laughs> Who can identify with me on that? I remember um, when we first came up the North Coast, I think Roy was just about two or three years old. Um, and we have friends visiting from Melbourne and we went up to um, just up here, top pub in Byron Bay. So as I was carrying Rowie, you know, looked like the man of responsibility, mature, with a baby in my hand, the security guard at the, the entrance stopped me, asked me for, for my ID. <laughs> so I was like, oh, great. I gladly show you my ID. Thank you very much. I, I think I said to him, oh, thank you. You made me look really young and felt really young. So, so that's great. But what's on an ID? You know, if you've got your driver's license or your under 18 card, I've got my New South Wales license now. I used to have a Victoria license. In my opinion, it's the best looking license in Australia. But anyway, I have to make do with a yellow license. Driver's license, New South Wales. It's got my name, full name, my address, my license number date of birth, which I'm not telling you, <coughs> uh, until they ask me again for my ID at the, at the pub. Card number and expiry date, and not much else going on here, really, isn't it? Uh, it's, it does say, you know, while license is valid, you may drive vehicles of the classes below, subject to conditions listed. For me, I must wear glasses uh, when I'm driving, and you probably have various different restrictions or no restrictions, might have your P-plate license and everything else, but pretty much the same, isn't it, with a piece of plastic in your hand. And, but if you ever went into RTA and trying to get license, I, I don't think they call RTA now, RMS or something like that. Uh, same thing, anyway. Um, if you ever apply for a license or attempt to apply for a license, you know the forms you have to fill out, you know you have to prove your identity, by bringing your birth certificate or, or your passport or your Medicare card, your utility bills, that, that really trying to prove who you are to satisfy the RTA, who you really claim you are. So on the birth certificate, obviously you, you've got your name or, or your, your name that was, that was named when you were born by your parents. Uh, your parents' name, where they came from, the time um, there's, um, you know, the age, I think it, it has on there the, the, the address at the time of um, when the baby was born, uh, where the baby was born, um, etc. And all those detailed information that goes behind uh, applying for driver's license. So, and if you're born overseas like me, you also get your sets of thumb and fingerprints on the record as well. So they really want to know exactly who you are before they can issue you license like that. So there's absolutely no mistake. And once the RTA is satisfied of, of who you are, then they'll give you this piece of plastic. And then you can, you're free to go and drive wherever you want, up and down the coast. Um, like me, when I first got my license, 
when I was 18. I just go drive everywhere. Petrol is not a problem. Just, just love it because I've carried this ID with me in case the cop pull me over. I can show the cop, this is my ID. I am free to drive. Isn't it? Who, who, who knows the feeling? Come on. Nowadays, when your parents, you, 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 got, you got your driver's license, you want to drive the kids here and there, it's like, no. Anyway, what if you, lo you lost your ID card? What if you lost your ID card? And if you go into the Bible in, in Old Testament, King David, in his days, I really believe he's got an ID card too. <laughs> you don't believe me? <laughs> you know his name, you know, if, if you've got King David, he's got his ID, he's got his name, got his address, you know, the Cedar Palace in Jerusalem, Judah, state of Judah, nation of Israel. He's got his birthday probably, he's got his... Um, Official title, the king. So it's got a special gold, gold card, probably. And it's probably a, a, a photo of himself smiling at the camera. He's got his ID card. And he can, he can show people that, yes, I'm the king. I've got my gold card. And that ID card practically represents his office, his role in his life. But one day, I think he lost his ID card. And... You can read the event leading up to that incident. If you um, have your Bible with you, you can turn to 2 Samuel chapter 15 with me. It's on the screen too. And this is the day where he lost his ID card. And the, the event that leading up to the ID card, which you encourage you to go back and, and read it yourself, um, chapter 13, 14, uh, involving his son, Absalom. Fascinating story, you know, just like a Hollywood thriller that involves betrayal, involves violence, murder, and of course, sex. Everyone went really quiet and you can't wait to get out now to read that chapter. Anyway, on this day, Second Samuel, one of David's sons by the name of Absalom decided to conspire against King David and... Um, and just basically grab the throne of him. So in 2 Samuel, this, this passage says, A messenger came and told David, The hearts of the people of Israel are with Absalom. Then David said to all his officials who were with him in Jerusalem, Come, we must flee, or none of us will escape from Absalom. We must leave immediately, or he will move quickly to overtake us and bring ruin on us and put the city to the sword. May David here just not just lost his ID card, he lost practically everything that he established as king over Israel. He, he lost in one day, he had to flee, run for his life, um, just trying to run as, as far as possible to avoid being, being killed by his own son. And, you know, he, instead of sleeping in the, in the comfort of his own home, um, nice latex mattress, he now had to camp overnight on solid ground, rocky ground, you know. If you ever went outside camping before, you know what I mean. Just really uncomfortable and have to um, eat some raisin or feet cake. Don't even know what it is instead of the, the nice lamb roast in the palace. So he really had a heart. And as if that's not enough, um, when 
David and his company was, was just taking a journey through running away, they came across this fellow by the name of Shimei. Yeah? In, in chapter 16, as you can see on the screen, this, this fellow Shimei came out and, and just cursed. And he pelted David and all the king's officials with stones. So all the troops and the special guard were on David's le- right and left. As he cursed, Shimei said, Get out! Get out! You murderer! You scoundrel! The Lord has repaid you for all the blood you shed in the household of Saul, in whose place you have reigned. The Lord has given the kingdom into the hands of your son, Absalom. You have come to ruin because you are a murderer. And David was like, yeah, tell me something I don't know. You know, how many times when, you, when you're already feeling depressed in your life and then someone come and just pelted you with stuff that, well, by the way, you already know and it's just trying to... to, to the, the opposition just trying to snowball. And it's this case here, David. You know, he's already lost his ID card and now people are just trying to just, you know, s- crush him even further. And the devil's always like to do that, isn't he? He likes to take advantage of when, we, when we're down and out, when we're in the deepest valley. Um, in the ch- ch- Chinese, one Chinese proverb um, that says this, which I try to translate um, for you, is if you push someone into the well, it's like you drop another heavy rock into the well as well, <laughs> trying to crush them, make sure they are, they are crushed. And it's a bit like that. You know, the devil likes to remind us of the past, something that we know, but try not to remember. And how wretched we were, how sinful we are, that we're not worthy of God's grace and blessing. The devil is out to steal, kill, and destroy. You know, the further you are away from God, the happier he is. So David was absolutely, absolutely in his deepest point in in, in that time. And I think that can be reflected in, in many of the Psalms that he has written around this period of time. And one of them, uh, quite famous, Psalm 3, as you can see on the screen, as he was running away from his son Absalom, he just you can imagine when he was distressed, when the party was just moving forward, maybe into the desert out west. Um, he penned this psalm, this, this song actually, and he said, Lord, how many are my foes? How many are rising against me? Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. It's like trying to crush him. But you, Lord, are the shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cry aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. And next page. I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all round. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the thief of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. You, your blessing be on your people. Selah. And here he was, under immense pressure and running for his life. His heart was in anguish. He was anxious. He was surrounded by the unknown and not knowing whether the enemy would catch up with him or not. And on top of that, someone was cursing him, reminding him of what he's done in the past, being a murderer, being an, an adulterer, 
all this dirty laundry in the past. He was depressed. How many are my enemies? I lost everything. Everyone is against me. Everyone is out to kill me. And he almost bought into the lies that God would not deliver him. And, but just in the midst of all that, as you can see in the Psalms there, there's the word Selah there. And a lot of the modern translations don't have that anymore on the actual passages. But I think it's such a nice word in some of the Psalms there. And end of verse 2, end of verse 4, and here end of verse 8. That word Selah in, in Hebrews, it's, it's like a musical term, which is a bit like the rest note in the um, in the musical uh, arrangements and some of you musos who know rest, rest and rest three times in the Psalms and yes, enemies are everywhere everyone is rising up against him yet in the midst of chaos David learned to rest he paused to to ponder his true identity in, in God. You know, he, he rests that say, Yes, many are many are saying God will not deliver me. Pause and think. I cried out to the Lord and he answered me from his holy mountain. Pause and think. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. Pause and think. He paused. He regrouped and was reminded of his identity in God. He knew that, that God is a shield around him. God was his protector. He was confident that God will hear him when he called, and he knows who he was, and he knows the one who holds his life. He knew who he was in God. He was absolutely secure in his identity, despite all that is going on, despite losing his ID card in the midst of all that. He was absolutely secure. And that's David. What about Jesus? When he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. You know, many of you, if you read your Bible, you remember that before the crucifixion, he was just getting trouble in his heart. And he went into the garden, bringing his disciples with him. Um, he was asking them to, to keep watch. Pray with me while I'll go and, and pray to the Father. And there must be millions of things that gone through his mind that time. And he knew that he was going to be killed. He, he knew that there would be lots of pain. Um, and Matthew 26 says that he was sorrowful and troubled. Another translation, translation said he was agitated. His soul was overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He literally sweat blood. That's how intense that was for him. You know, and I think it's fair to say that Jesus was a little bit freaked out that day. Would you agree? You know, he, he knew that he's going to die. He knew what is before him, the, the stuff that is laying in front of him. He knew that, which is why he was, was so freaking out. And from, from what we've been reading, um, and he wanted company. He, he felt for, the, for that t moment in time, he felt he really needed someone to support him moral support to really accompany him in this final journey. And I think it really showed the human side of Jesus, you know. He's not some tough dude, Arnold Schwarzenegger, came out with huge muscles and said, yes, death awaits me. I will walk the path. I'll be brave. 
with my AK-47. <laughs> like that. He's, he wasn't like that. He was freaking out. He was freaking out. He was scared to death. Literally. Because he's, he did say that. He prayed to the Father. Lord, if this is not possible, may you take this cup away from me. Yet, not as my will, but your will. He, he didn't want to go through it. You know, he was like, oh, if, if I got a choice, I'd rather not do it. And Rowe always asked me, do I have to? Do I have to clean my room? It's more than that, you know. It's, it's, it's enormous burden on Jesus that he had to go through all those things. And in John chapter 10, 14, it says that Jesus is the good shepherd. He knows his sheep and his sheep know him just as the father knows him and he knows the father he laid down his life for the sheep and the word know there um, four times it was used it was used it means more than just knowing something it mo means more than just a knowledge sort of thing it means more than just ah oh, yes i know who heston blumenthal is some of you probably don't know who Heston Blumenthal is, you heathen. He's the best cook in the world. But anyway, I know Heston Blumenthal. But there's a difference between knowing someone and knowing someone, isn't it? I may know him from TV, uh, from watching him cooking, from him in Ballina. A friend of mine took a picture with him, and he knows Heston Blumenthal now. <laughs> but the, the, the Greek word here, know, it means more than just knowing someone from Facebook or Instagram. It means a, a deeper relationship with someone that was established. It's intimate. It's based on relationship. You know the person, not just on the outside, but you know deep down. You know their thought. You know their, 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 their process. You know their, um, how they even move. Every being, that's more than just knowing skin deep. It's a trust. It's based on trust and it's close. And two weeks ago when we, when we were in um, Lismore for Regional Recharge, some of, us, some of us were there. It was a great day. You know, I always love Recharge. And you get to know and meet many people from around the region who share the same passion um, for God. And I remember on the morning session, halfway through, um, you know, the speaker was speaking and um, they have a little bit of, you know, there are a few families there on, on that day with kids and all. So the kids were out the back playing, uh, I think watching TV or something. Uh, Roy was there as well. Uh, so was uh, Haley Strong. So we were there. The adults were in the auditorium just listening to the speaker. And halfway through, there were some cries at the back of the church uh, coming from the, from the kids' room. And in, when your parents, when you heard kids cry, you probably, like me, you turn your head and check out what's going on. So when I ch turned my head, two other ladies immediately got up and went to the back room. <laughs> it's like they know who, who was crying and they can differentiate. For you who, are, who haven't have kids, you probably don't even hear that cry, yes? It's only when you parents, you, you know. I remember once... Um, Paul Dent was uh, preaching down at uh, Billy 
and uh, Nikki was somewhere. I, I can't remember what she was doing, but someone was pushing the baby and was crying. I didn't even hear it. Paul was like, oh, Eden, go to sleep. <laughs> I didn't even know that Eden was crying. And how acute it was for the parent of the child to know the voice. And I think that no, that, that idea there, it's, it's right there. A, a father or a mother knows the voice of the child. And that's exactly the heart of Jesus here, knowing us, the sheep. You know? um, Jesus had absolute trust in the Father. It's a relationship. It's intimate. It was built on trust, just like the ch- child growing up, knowing the voice of the parents. Um, and they know that there will be response from the parent if they cry, isn't it? And because he's a loving and gracious God, we can depend on him for his character does not change. Amen? How many of you were here last week uh, uh, for Father's Day? Yeah, some of you, some of you not. What a great testimony Joe Renshaw has. He's not here this morning, is he? Oh, there you are. <laughs> I'm going to play that video again because I thought, what a wonderful testimony. And for some of you that haven't watched it, you're in for a treat. I think, it will, yeah, anyway, we'll, we'll let it roll and you can watch and enjoy. Uh, no, it's in the keynote. This is another great moment for Apple. (laughs) It's just great. No? Can we have the sound, please? Sorry, that's another great moment. We use the display cabinets where you really put in something that is not going to for a structure. Briefly, at some of the areas which my life is pretty chaotic. Uh, I used to just run my own show, do whatever I wanted when I wanted. Ingredients in the batch: sand melts at temperatures below 3,000 degrees Fahrenheit. After a couple of um, big issues in my younger years as a child, with my parents breaking up and stuff, I always felt though there was more out there. tried to uh, fill it with high level sport and played a lot of soccer and everything really that I could get my hands on. I played sport wise and then uh, evolved into having girlfriends and um, that sort of evolved into, you know, partying and just living a social life at a very young age and I still just felt empty inside. And. Um, yeah, I always just filled that void. 
with sports and women, and then later on, after my HSC, drugs and alcohol, and uh, just got myself further and further away from God, really. Started out smoking weed, I remember getting busted by my old man, he said that it was a gateway drug, and never really um, sort of believed him, and then it escalated into sort of party drugs, and uh, the doof scene and clubbing and all that sort of stuff and then um, this one time I've been up for a few days and a mate of mine said to me oh you know do you want to try some heroin and uh, yeah that was it things went down here real quick from there okay the first time I um, really heard the audible voice of God was um, after a two-day rave party in the, uh, Brisbane and uh, I went and got on off a mate and uh, sort of jumped the food chain and uh, went and used some drugs under these people's house and uh, with my girlfriend at the time and um, yeah, I did and I remember just being overdosed under that house and I just heard this voice in my head saying, uh, are you done? Yeah, a girlfriend at the time, her mum and her got me involved in a church and uh, I'd go along but I still rebelled, I still wanted life on my terms, I couldn't surrender and it wasn't until I ended up in prison that I thought, okay, I'm really going to give this God thing a go and um, from that point on I just got on my hands and knees and I said, God, if you're better than any drugs, if you're better than the best women, if you're best, better than the best car like everyone talks about, I want to experience you. And I just felt this uh, spirit come over my body. So I cried and wept. And I just seen all the times in my life where I'd almost died just flashed in front of me. And God just said to me, I was with you. And I knew at that point that God was real. After um, making an executive decision to follow Jesus, I guess um, things just started to get better. There's uh, purpose and meaning in my life. I really um, had, you know, a plan set out for me, as the Bible says. And I got my kids back. Um, got my life back. I'm studying again now, and uh, really got direction and focus and. Just a, a peace that transcends all understanding. What message we're going to share with the community this week? You know, in boldness. Jesus gives us a boldness. He wants everyone to be in this church. He wants people to be saved. These days I'm just heavily involved in the church. I just uh, live for every Sunday. It's kind of like my club and night out or my uh, party of the week. And uh, in that time I just... You know, I get to fellowship with people that genuinely love me, people that would uh, give me the shirt off their back, people that just genuinely care about me and uh, don't have any hidden agendas. We all know that sin came into the world, yeah? How did sin enter the world? I just believe that, you know, I'm sharing a legacy with my children that will, you know, take away any sort of demonic force or anything that they may have been exposed to through my addiction. I just know that the blood of Jesus covers that and um, 
that they will only do good in their life if I just set this foundation for them. I don't expect them to, you know, do that. They, they can make their own choices when they're old enough, but I just know in my heart that it's the best thing that could resonate with any human being is that sense of belonging to such a beautiful, caring um, Christian family. And um, I only want what's best for my kids, and that's why I'm there. That's why I like to share the love of Jesus with them. And um, my daughter gave her heart to Jesus when she was five because she couldn't deny the, the presence of the Holy Spirit there at church every week. She says, Daddy, I feel, I feel God when I go to church and we worship God. And it's amazing to, to see her just experience what I've experienced. And, you know, I just pray that my son, you know, continues to do as well as he's doing and that he just follows incognito is such a wonderful thing that, um, you know, it's just amazing, yeah. It's indescribable, really. was that never 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 get sick of of great testimonies like that Joe I want to really thank you for allowing us to to share your testimony and can I encourage everyone too if you've got testimony doesn't have to be a you know a drug filled life previous life and then radically change but every single one of you if you encounter Christ You've got a testimony to share. Anywhere you go, share the testimony if I can encourage you. No matter how long you have become a Christian, share your testimony. And Joe Renshaw, mate, had, uh, such a change. Second Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Yo has gone away. Behold. You know that word, behold? Wow! Wow! The new has come. The new has come. The new has come. You know? You may have dirty laundry in the past. Your life may be in chaos. You may be even ashamed of wanting to, to talk about your past. Yet, as 1 Corinthians 6 says, as and some such were some of you, you know, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. 
Joe met Christ. He was redeemed, he was forgiven, he was washed, sanctified, and justified. That's his new identity. He's got his new ID card worth more than gold or silver. And that's your new identity if you have met Christ. And that's our new identity. Not only that, you know, the Apostle Peter went a bit further in, uh, in his first letter uh, addressed to the, to the churches. He said in chapter 2, verse 9, that you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You are special, specially chosen by God. Just as Israel was, was chosen as God's people, now that through Jesus we are entering that covenant blessing. And as turned back centuries before when the Israelites were standing on, at the foot of Mount Sinai, when Moses was establishing the covenant of God with the people. You know, in Exodus 19, it says that, Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, this is to the Israelites, then out of all nations you will be my treasure, treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. That echoes that. And what Peter wrote there, so profound, he's echoing the covenant blessing that God's given to Israelites. And now God is extending that covenant blessing to all who put their faith in Christ. And not because we are the blood descendants of, of Abraham. We are all, most of us, we, we were Gentiles by birth, yeah? But because of what Christ has done, what Jesus has done on the cross for us. We're entering that same blessing. And all the men say, Amen. Because you don't have to be circumcised anymore. And we are a royal priesthood. We belong to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And we now have direct access to God to not just bring our prayers, but also interceding for other people. Royal priesthood. You and I, we are all priests of God. Now that what Christ has done for us, for our neighbors, for, for our communities, for our nations, for the nations of the world. And that is our new identity. Not just as the redeemed, as the forgiven, but we are to the world a royal priesthood. You know. Yet, I think so many times, sometimes, that Christians, we get our identity mis mixed up with our, with our roles, isn't it? And, you know, I realize that our roles is, is different from our identity. You know, our, our job defines our role, not our identity. Depi it de defines the, the part we play. For example, you know, I'm, my day job is a pharmacist. That's my role. That's my job. I also play, play, happen to play guitar and and look after the music team. That's, that's all my roles. But one day, if I decided to quit pharmacy, I'm not a pharmacist anymore, yet my identity remains. You know, 
Our identity is defined by who we are, our being, our character. If we have been born again, if we have decided to follow Jesus, like the song says this morning, if we are all sons of God, which is why it's so profound on, on 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, He is a new creation. If anyone is in Christ, He is a new creation. And that masculine term doesn't discriminate male or female because if you heard sermon from Neville, we are all sons of God, having that special inheritance set aside for the sons. So Nikki then is the son as well. So it's scary, isn't it? If we are all sons of God, this is our spiritual identity. No matter what we do in life, does not change our identity. If I decided, you know, to 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 mix it up, then is our identity and our role. No matter sometimes we, we just feel defeated because our role ties in so much with our identity, but no, our identity should be separated from our, our roles. If I rest our security in our role, then we can feel insecure when our role change. Yeah? But we can rest our security on our identity, and our identity is firmly rooted in Christ. And God does not change, so our identity does not change. Maybe the musicians can come up already as I finish up. You know, just want to encourage you. King David, the reason why he did not despair, even though he lost his ID card, even though he was literally walking through that shadow of death, he did not fear, for he knew that God was with him. He knew that his identity was firmly established. No matter what happened, his role may have changed. He wasn't king for, for, for a moment on, in time, but yet, because he knew who exactly he was, in God, he can rest in him who did not change, who would not change at all. That's why Jesus, when he was freaking out a little bit, facing death, did not walk away from it because he knew his identity full well. He was absolutely secure in the Father and what he does. God is faithful, He's trustworthy, amen? We can fully depend on Him the way Jesus did. And when we did, we have a new identity, bigger than this, more profound than this. And when you're in Christ, when you came into a relationship with the Almighty God, this is how your identity card should look like, you know. It will say Jit Chong or Joe Renshaw, the forgiven one, the redeemed one, the justified one, the sanctified one, the chosen one, the royal priesthood, the holy nation, and the special possession of God. Amen. How does your ID card look like? I hope it looks like mine. Looks like Joe's. Looks like Nikki's. Let's stand. Let's worship him.